In preparation for this morning's lesson, we'll be reading from the New Testament, from the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Good morning, church. You've probably heard the expression, the ups and downs of life. That expression can be synonymous with alternately being high and being low. No one is exempt from the ups and downs of life. Years ago, I read a statement that a college professor says that humans, as humans, we have emotional elevators that go up and they go down on a regular basis. For you ladies, that time factor is about 26 to 29 days. For you gentlemen, that time is 34 to 38 days. Unfortunately, sometimes the elevator gets stuck in the down position. We could substitute the words encouragement and discouragement for the ups and downs of life. And so we need hope. We need hope for today. We need hope for tomorrow. We need hope for the future. Because the battles that every one of us face in life can be very stressful and difficult. And so we need encouragement to help us keep on keeping on. But as we think about that, what is encouragement? It means to inspire with courage, to cheer, to rally, to hearten. And there is a great need in the church for those who are encouragers. As you heard Brother Wayne just read to us, that we need to encourage one another day after day. Hebrews 10.25 says, But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now some of you may remember that a number of months ago I preached a sermon and talked about the day and the things that are going on in the world that we very may be approaching the end. I haven't changed my mind on that. And I'm no prophet, as I mentioned then. I don't know that. But as we see the day, whether it be the day that the Lord, Lord returns or the day that you and I depart this life, we need to be encouraged and, encur- and encouragers. In Acts 4, verse 36, there was a man, a Christian, in the first century. His name was Barnabas, and his name means son of encouragement. And in Romans chapter 12, where Paul talks about certain gifts that were given to members of the church in his day, one of the gifts that he mentioned is the gift of exhortation. And so I think it is important that we be encouragers of others. 
Because you see, a discouraged person is a defeated person. And it doesn't matter how much money that person has. doesn't matter how much education they might have. doesn't matter how much prestige or fame that individual may have. If they are discouraged, they are defeated. And discouragement or depression, if you want to substitute that word, harms us. It harms us physically, mentally, and sometimes even financially. Because a person becomes miserable, discontent, and has no sunshine in their life. It also affects personal relationships. And usually in a defeat, in a very difficult way. Some of you may have remembered the television ads, and I, I don't really care for television ads, but some of them are okay. This one I think had a good message. And it talked about depression and how that harms not only the individual, but it harms all those that are close to them and around them. And so as God's children, we are called to encourage one another, which is my topic for this hour. I want to start first by talking about self-encouragement. But you may be asking yourself, well, what, what do you mean by this? What do you mean by self-encouragement? Because you may be thinking, encouragement comes from outside of oneself. It's something that comes to me from another place or another person to encourage me. And you may say it's up to others to encourage me. And a number, and in a number of ways that is true because we are called, obviously, to be encouragers of others. But before we can talk about that, I want us to look about, at an example from King David. David, before he was king, was a self-encourager. In 1 Samuel, and if you have your Bibles, you may want to turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 30, because we're going to look at a couple of things there. But in 1 Samuel chapter 7, David is not yet king, and he's fleeing from Saul, who is the king of Israel, and who is doing everything he can to kill David, to keep him from becoming king. And so, I guess almost in despair, David flees to Achish, who is the king of Gath, and who is a Philistine. Gath was a Philistine city. And David finds favor in this man's eyes, and he's giving, he is given the city of Ziklag. And while he is there, he and his men raid some other tribes, the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. And Achish is quite impressed with David. And in chapter 28, David is made bodyguard for life to Achish. That's a pretty high honor. But then war erupts between the Philistines and Israel. And during that time, because God has departed from Saul because of his, his, his disobedience, Saul consults the witch of Endor. Now, if you know, if you've read some of the Old Testament, you know that this is obviously having truck, if you want, with 
with powers of darkness. And Saul has been reduced to such a point that God doesn't answer him anymore. And so he's willing to consult the powers of darkness to find out what is going to happen. In chapter 8, verse 19, when to his, to his and to the witch's surprise, so, uh, she calls up Samuel, God's faithful prophet. And in verse 19, after Saul has given, or after Samuel has given Saul the message, he says, verse 19, moreover the Lord will give Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines there for tomorrow. You and your sons will be with me. Indeed, the Lord will give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. See, what happened there is he was given a death sentence. Tomorrow you are going to die. And, and Saul recognizes how very serious this is because he immediately full length on the ground and he was very afraid. And it says that there was no strength in him. Now, in verse 23, he, he said, I'm not going to eat. But his servants, and, the, and together with the woman, that's the witch, urged him. They encouraged him. And he listened to them and he took food. It didn't change what was about to happen. But at their urging and encouragement, he finally did take food. In chapter 29, the Philistines gather at Aphek. Achish's men will not allow David to accompany them against Israel. And I believe that that was God's providential hand on David's life to keep him from going and making himself odious to the people who one day he would serve as their king overall. And in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 to 10, and this is where I want to concentrate just a little bit of time here because it's so very important. As David and his men have gone out to battle against the Israelites, and as the leaders of the Philistines say, no, this man can't come with us, he may turn and fight against us. And so Achish says, you know, you're basically like an angel of God, but they don't want you here, so go back home to Ziklag. And while they are away, the Amalekites make a raid on Ziklag, burn it with fire, and take away all of the families. Verse 3. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. In verse 4, we see the utter discouragement that David and his men experience. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength left in them to weep. They cried every tear in their bodies, and they had no strength. Now, as we think about this, encouragement, a synonym that could easily be for encouragement is strengthen. When you strengthen someone else, you encourage them. You give them courage to carry on. And in verse 6, we are told that David encouraged or strengthened himself. Look at this. Moreover, David was greatly distressed 
because the people spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David was in very danger of losing his own life. And if you've ever read some things about stoning or thought about it, it would be a terrible, terrible way to die. These men, who were his followers, were so upset and so embittered in their souls that they were ready to actually stone him to death. Now think about this word, bitter in soul. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, warns Christians that no root of bitterness spring up and defile the many. That's why we as Christians have to guard ourselves against feelings of hatred or bitterness because it not only affects us as individuals, that spreads like a cancer and affects many, many other people. David, at this point, is conscious of his own helplessness. And as I was thinking about this, it makes one think, how many times do we as individuals realize that we are helpless? That we are helpless without God? How often do we try to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, to be self-sufficient. I'll handle this one on my own. How often do we do those things? There comes a time, I believe, for every person, for every person, when we don't know where to turn or which way to turn. And for David, it would appear that this is one of them. There are people who, in David's shoes, would blame God and quit. Why did you let this happen to me, God? And in, these, in their difficult times, instead of turning to God, they turn away from God and quit. And so the question is today, what would you have done if you had been in David's shoes at this time? Let me tell you of a situation that happened many years ago. Stacy and I lived in Barrie, Ontario, where I was preaching. And in 1985, May 31st to be exact, a huge tornado hit Barrie, Ontario. And two children, if I recall correctly, they were two little girls, phoned their mother after school and asked if they could cross a busy highway to go and play at a friend's home until their mother came home. For this one time, she consented to let her little children go across that road. Be very careful, but they were allowed to go across the road to play at their friend's home. When the tornado hit, it was like, and we were there, it was like the city had been bombed. Huge homes, expensive homes, leveled completely to the ground. And when the tornado hit, the phones and all kinds of things were out. And a father, the father rushed home to that home to find the house completely demolished. All that was left was rubble. And he was digging in the rubble to find his two little children. 
And when they found him, he was sitting in the rubble crying. He didn't know that his children were safe across the street because the mother for this one time had allowed them to cross the street. Now, why do I tell that story? I tell that because I want you to think about the psychological effect on David and his men as they come home. Because their homes are destroyed, their families are gone, and they don't know if they're alive or dead. David is standing completely alone because the men who had been his friends and followers are now ready to kill him. And yet, in the midst of all this, it says that David encouraged himself. But how did he do that? And this is very important. He strengthened or encouraged himself in the Lord. See, the only one that David could go to for comfort would be God. Maybe you've never been there. Maybe you've always had your wife or your family or friends to comfort you in your times of sorrow and difficulty. But right at this point, David has no one like that. And so he encourages himself in the Lord. In the Lord. And it makes me think of those, that beautiful old gospel hymn, number 425 in one of the songbooks. Where could I go? Oh, where could I go? Where could I go but to the Lord? David put down fear and unbelief. And fear and unbelief are something that can be so detrimental because when you're in fear and, uh, fear and grief, I should say, fear and grief, because sometimes when we are in fear and grief, we can't think straight. And sometimes people even have to be sedated to help them through difficult times and require physical restraint. But David directed his thoughts toward God. In verse 8, it says he inquired of the Lord. And the rest of the story, as radio commentator Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story is that David convinced his tired, mutinous, grief-stricken men to follow him again to pursue their families. And the rest of the story is that they were completely victorious and brought back all of those whom they loved and cared for. And so now, let's talk about my second point. And I only have two in the sermon in homiletics class and school preaching, I was told you always have to have three sermon, uh, three points, three main points. I only have two, so this is not a real sermon. My second point is the call to encourage. Again, let's read chapter Hebrews chapter three, verses thirteen and fourteen. But encourage one another day after day. As long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. You notice what, what is said here. To encourage one another day after day is still as, as long as it is still called today. See, yesterday is a canceled check. Today is the only day we have 
because we don't know if we're still going to be here tomorrow or if the world is even going to be here tomorrow. Today is the only day. And so the Hebrew writer says, encourage one another day after day, as long as it's called today. I don't have to worry about encouraging you tomorrow. All I have to concern myself is, is encouraging you today as much as I am able. But as I say that, I want to talk about the other side of the coin. Have you ever had people who have discouraged you? You come up with an idea, and you mention it, and you are told, that will never work. Has that happened to you? It's happened to me. Or at work, you come up with an idea of a better way to do something, and the foreman or the boss says, well, you know, we've never done it that way before. And so your question is, so? The answer will be, well, it just won't work. Why won't it work? Because we've never tried it before. We've never done it that way. Discouraging. And so I like Charles Swindle, who is one of my favorite writers. When he says how fortunate we are that certain visionaries refuse to listen to the crowd, I'm glad that Thomas Edison didn't give up on the light bulb. I'm glad that Martin Luther refused to back down and I add my own words to the religious leaders of his day. I'm glad that Michelangelo kept painting. I'm, char- I'm glad that Charles Lindbergh kept flying. And if you don't know who that is, he was the pilot who made the first non-stop flight from North America to Europe in 33 and one-half hours in a small plane. I'm glad that Papa Tenbloom said yes to frightened Jews. And if you don't know who Papa Tenbloom was, he was the father of Corey Tenbloom, who wrote so many wonderful books, and the Jews and the Holocaust, and how that family helped those individuals. And so the blessing of encouragers, and again I quote Chuck Swindle, who expresses it so well when he says, The concept of encourage takes on new meaning when we analyze it. When we encourage others, we spur them on. We stimulate and affirm them. In other words, we give them fresh energy for whatever it is they are facing. It doesn't matter how influential or secure or mature a person may be, may appear to be, genuine encouragement never fails to help. Most of us need massive doses of encouragement as we live in a difficult world. Massive doses of encouragement. But unfortunately, so often, not only do we not encourage others, but unfortunately, too often, we ourselves have too much Pride to admit that we need the encouragement of others. The Bible highlights the stories of encouragers who gave powerful assistance during challenging circumstances. Moses had Aaron and Hur who held up his arms as, as Moses sat on a rock. All day long they did this because when Moses held up his hands, 
Israelite was successful in battle against the Amalekites. And when he let his hands down, they dropped. And so if you tried to hold up your hands, how long do you think you could do that for? Five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen? But soon as they would drop, because you have to let blood flow properly again, right? Soon as you let them drop, your army started being defeated. And so Moses and 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 her held up his arms all day until the sun set. You can read it yourself, Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 7 through verse 16. Elizabeth, and I want to read this one. Elizabeth encouraged her pregnant relative Mary. Luke 1, beginning in verse 42. And she cried, this is Elizabeth. And Elizabeth cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed be the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And then read Mary's praise of God after this encouragement from her relative, Elizabeth. After his conversion, the Apostle Paul needed the help of Barnabas, who I mentioned his name literally means son of encouragement. He needed Barnabas to help him to be accepted by the church. And so, a suggestion, a way to start is to be a good news person. Try to think about the positive things of life rather than the negative. The Lord knows there's enough negative things that happen day by day. But we must try to concentrate on that which is positive and not negative. Try to share good news with your family. You can start there. Tell them about all the good things that happened during the day rather than about the bad things. Talk about positive things. But before you can encourage others, as we started this sermon, you need to be encouraged yourself. And maybe you need to be a self-encourager. So cultivate the habit of joy and happiness. Little things like singing, laughing, smiling, and maybe even whistling if you can whistle. Expect good results in all things. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we say, we are told that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And Romans 15, 4 says the things that were written before, like 1 Samuel chapter 27 to chapter 30, The things written before are written for our instruction. And listen to this, that through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so, encourage yourself and others through personal prayer and prayer with others. And it made me think of something that I was, I've thought about a number of times over the past uh, several days now. A couple of weeks ago, I was in the city of Winkler, where I worked for many years. 
And I worked with the mayors of the city and the elected council. And I met one of my former mayors by name of Neil Schmidt as he and I happened to be going into the bank at the same time. And at first I thought, by chance, but I don't really believe that things just happen by chance. I don't believe in luck either. Neil and I were walking into the bank at the same time. And we were happy to see each other. We shook hands and said hello. And I mentioned something that was on my heart that I asked Neil to pray about. And Neil took my hand right there, people coming and going. He took my hand and he said, let's pray about it right now. And he did. I was so thankful. It was an encouragement. Also, encourage yourself by personal study of the scriptures. Early morning is a good time. At least it's a good time for me. Get up earlier, start your day earlier, spend some time reading God's word. Singing hymns of praise to God. Do that by yourself. Not only here, but by yourself. And, of course, regular fellowship, like we're doing today. Coming together to worship God. And that is a very important reason of why we assemble Lord's Day after Lord's Day. Believers in Jesus are called to encourage one another and to build each other up in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. So may we individually be eager to offer encouragement and help to others, especially as they face difficult circumstances. Thank you for your presence here today and for your attention. If you have a need for the prayers of the church, or if you need to obey the gospel, to put yourself into fellowship with Christ and his church, which was bought by his blood, will you come as we stand and as we sing?